Welcome back to Killer Fun. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. We're so glad you're back with us today. We are ready to talk about Looper. I love this movie. It's really good. It's a fun movie. Uh, Evidently, we can't talk about movies for the past two months unless it has Bruce Willis in it. So, well... Of course. My favorite part when he turns around and then he says a mumbly, 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 mumbly. <laughs> and it resembles a similar yippee kaye. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love him too. Let's give a brief summary of the movie. So a looper is basically an assassin. He's a hitman. Joe is our hitman hero, <laughs> protagonist, and antagonist. Yes, he is. Everything all rolled up is, into one. Yeah, because he's complicated, because we people are complicated. We are. Yes. He's waiting in a field. A man appears. He shoots them. They fall dead. He disposes of the body. The person appears because they have come from the future. Yes. So then the future, 30 years from the time that's happening, the mob is in control. Yeah. The mob can't get rid of bodies easily because of the government and the... And how technology has advanced. Correct. Blah, blah, blah. So they need to get rid of a body by sending it back in time. So instead of sending a dead body back in time, they send a live person back in time and then Hitman kills them as soon as they arrive in the... the, That keeps the mess from... Being right. left in in their present, our future. Yeah, it's like a yeah. wormhole cremation system. Sure, you know ooh, ooh, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> and so, but young Joe, you know, he has to kill these people as soon as they show up, right? Right. Yeah. And so we're looking at this, but there's a loop because, well, if there's a young Joe, uh huh, and there's a future, uh-huh. there's an old Joe. Right. And so this is the same for all the loopers. And so the loopers have their older selves. And when it comes time for those hitmen to be retired and the mob needs to tie up loose ends, then the old self comes back through the loop and young person kills their own old person and that closes it. And then they're done. Then they don't do any more killing. They get How they get paid is the person who comes through has silver on their back if they're a regular murderer. If they're <laughs> if they're your loop, you get a big payout. You get gold bars, right? And so they get to live the rest of their lives until mm-hmm. they're old, and they get sent back to die. So there's the loop. Mm-hmm. There's the loop. There's the loop. So that's the, like the basic gist of it. I preferred young Joe to old Joe. Oh, what do you mean by preferred? Well, they're the same person. We'll talk about that in a minute. They're the same person. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> In case you didn't know, there's young Joe and there's old Joe, and biologically, they're the same person, but they're not the same person. They're having different experiences. Well, that's true. I mean, my younger yeah. self certainly—I don't know—I would probably like my older self now than my uh-huh. younger self then. So it makes sense. If you do the whole ship of Theseus thing, like all of our cells are replaced in our body every seven years. So if you think about it, really, he's like three Joes removed. Exactly. And he's older, wiser, been there, done that. And that definitely changes it. But you like young Joe. Mm -hmm. What is it about young Joe that you prefer? Like, that's what's getting me. He makes different choices than old Joe did. 
Oh, well, that's true. Mm -hmm. And I think I prefer Young Joe's Choices. But we'll get to that. Yeah. This was a 2012 movie. It was written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who directed The Last Jedi, the most recent Star Wars movie. Fantastic director. Yep. So he's really good. It stars Bruce Willis as old Joe. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as young Joe, which, by the way, this role was written with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in mind. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, he said that this was the first time that this had ever happened. He'd never had somebody write a part thinking of him, but he and Ryan Johnson had worked together on a short, and when Ryan started writing this, he had Joseph in mind. That's that's like a turning point, right? Yeah, I think so. That's so cool. That's like a big spot in your career. Well, and this movie was kind of a big spot for Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah. because it took him out of that kid actor range yes. and made him a viable adult actor, which by yeah. the way, this guy, this guy is so fun. I mean... He has a show oh. that's him singing and dancing and crooning what? and joking and laughing and acting. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's a hoot. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching this movie and I was like, I didn't realize how much Joseph Gordon-Levitt looked like Bruce Willis. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> well, he spent three hours a day in a makeup chair getting prosthetics put on to look more like Bruce Willis. I was thinking about this the whole way and I thought, I got to Google what they did because uh-huh. it's obviously kind of not him. If you watched a lot of Third Rock from the Sun and uh-huh, drooled over him when uh-huh. you were younger, uh, it's pretty clear. <laughs> did you him. drool over I him? I loved him. <laughs> that's uh, how I felt about Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. Yes, that's I drooled a, over him yeah. too. See, yeah. I'm showing my age a little bit. But see, I, I did that same thing because growing pains mm-hmm. and oh, then mm-hmm. on onward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, I definitely... Growing pains. He was the best part of growing pains when he was on it. Oh yeah. You know, my son, my youngest actually kind of looks like Leo. If you think oh, about it and you look at kid pictures of Leo oh. and you think about my son... Oh, get your shotgun. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, and it also stars Emily Blunt as Sarah, and her most recent, she's been a lot of stuff. She has. But her most recent big thing, she was Mary Poppins in Mary Poppins Returns. I can't wait to see that. No, I haven't seen it either, Mm -hmm. so I've heard good things. I've heard good things, and I love the fact that Dick Van Dyke has a cameo. Yeah. This is a really well-thought-out movie. It's about time travel, kind of. It's about murder, kind of. I mean, a lot, but that's not... There's more to it than that. It's, it's not a, just murder. It's a little deeper than that. I mean, it's there deeper. is a lot of murder. It's very murder. <laughs> it's very murdery. I have this article, Why Looper Could Be the Most Well-Thought-Out Time Travel Movie in Years. See, and I can't wait to hear this because I this was my one knock on the movie. But okay. I felt like the time travel thing wasn't as well-thought-out. Okay, here's why I think it was well-thought-out. Because they didn't talk about it that much. Oh, I'll get there. It takes place 30 years in the future. So 30 years from when this movie came out, which was 2012. So it takes place in 2042. And then 2072 is where part of it takes place because time travel. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, time travel doesn't exist where the movie takes place. And none of the characters really use it. Sort of old Joe. But that's kind of a periphery thing. That's more of like a plot point rather than a driving force behind the movie. 
Right. That's yeah. true. Okay. I, it's people in the mob working for thugs, basically. There are no scientists in white coats trying to explain time travel to us. That's true. Yeah. Instead of trying to explain the science to us, they're showing us the ramifications of it. Right. They make the concept a bit more ubiquitous in their culture and their time frame. Yes. So that... Yes. So you're not bogged down in the science and the wherewithal. And is this possible? It's how do people deal with it and handle it? Okay, I can so go I there. So I think that this is, this is why. That's why it's really well thought out. Because they didn't spend a lot of time talking about time travel. They spent time dealing with the ramifications of it. I'm still thinking. Okay. It's kind of dystopia. So there's the loopers who obviously have a lot of money. Right. And some people who have a lot of money. And then there's a whole lot of people who don't have very much at all. Living in the streets. Cars just stalled out in the middle of the street. People just drive around it. And there's kind of a dystopia, but it never gets addressed in the movie. It does like, not. Like what causes it. And so in this interview with Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed it, he said... You know what? It's not that difficult to imagine something happening in the next 30 years that throws the world into a bad spot. There's a thousand things it could be, and this movie is about none of them. He mentions why we like time travel, <laughs> why he thinks we like time travel, because there's something illicit about it, something that feels at the core like you're cheating something, you're getting out of what you're supposed to have. Like, that's an interesting concept. Mm. I I have to, my gears are still turning over this. I think you're right that they don't deal with it explicitly. And so therefore you do get to focus on just what it feels like to be a person Mm -hmm. dealing with it the same way we might talk about cell phones. We don't need to explain how cell phones work in satellites, but we often talk about, okay, screen time and things like that. Mm. I, I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the entire plot rests on the idea of circular yes. effects. And so from that point, there's a major circular effect that happens earlier in the movie that I feel like is a total hole. And okay. so I kind of get irritated with it because I get it, but also they blow oh. past it. And uh-huh. with uh, Seth and his... Loop. Well, so there's Seth in his loop, and then Young Joe sees himself. So there are rules for time travel in Looper. Hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a DVD that I ordered for like three or five dollars from Walmart, but it had bonus features. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those was what are the rules of time travel in Looper? And oh, I'm I like that. Ooh, let me pull this down because this might give us a little more context. So. Time travel cannot be adjusted. It is 30 years, five months, some odd weeks, so many days, so many minutes. That is it. There is one time span that they can send people back. So the period. DeLorean is set to one time. Yep, yep, exactly. (laughs) There's no, no little keypad to change the time. You cannot go forward. You can only go back. Okay. Okay. So time travel is a one-way ticket. Right. Yeah. So, like, the they send a mob boss, basically, back in time to run the whole Looper program to somehow communicate with the people in the future, recruit the Loopers, and run the whole program. Right. Yeah. They sent somebody back. He can never go forward again. 
Right, but he had he did in, indicate that he might have some more knowledge about how the communication works between right. them. Yes. So that's very interesting. Yes, there is some sort. That's one of the rules. There is some sort of way to communicate across time. They don't ever make that clear completely how no. they do that. They make it clear in some ways. They do make anyway. it clear in some ways, but yeah. it's more of an implication. So Again, they don't yeah. talk about it. Right. So both versions of you can exist at one time. That's a rule. Time travel is illegal. Which we know they made it illegal as pretty much as soon as it was invented. And the future has infinite possibilities. I thought that was kind of interesting. They don't talk about it much, but I want to talk about time travel. (laughs) I agree. Because it's mind bending and we're we're just going to like scratch the surface of it. (laughs) So there's a really good How Stuff Works article about time travel. It starts out by saying, basically, we're all time travelers all the time. <laughs> like, we're traveling through time right now. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but it gets better. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> that is straight up cheese. Some fromage. The passage of time isn't constant. We feel like it's constant, but it's not. It's, they describe it as like water in a river. And when it gets narrower in some places, the water runs a little faster. And when it gets wider, it runs a little slower. So it seems constant to us. And the fluctuations are really small. Mm -hmm. So we don't really notice them. But they're happening. Right. But they're so small here. And you think about expanding that out to the whole universe. That's, you know, your time fluctuations that are tiny here might be really big somewhere else. Right. We only feel it a little bit and we do make up for this. I mean, this is what leap year is about is that, you know, we, we describe it as just the rotation around the sun. Right. Uh And and there are scientific ways to show all of that. But the truth is, even though we have our time delineated into these seconds and this best equation, it's really around, it's a rounding Mm -hmm. of it. And well, and just because we've decided that this is how time should be measured doesn't mean that nature is going to follow our lead. No, no. It's just like measuring. I mean, a a thing is a thing in the way that it is, no matter how we describe it. Inches, meters, you know, you can divide by eight, you can divide by 10. So there's some fluctuation. Yeah. So GPS satellites accrue an extra third of a billionth of a second every day because of the way time is different in space than it is. And that's a very tiny unit of measure. It's tiny until it tells you to turn left into a ditch. <laughs> well, and they have to, they have, well, you're not wrong. Oh, they really? have to, they have to adjust these things on a regular basis because you'll turn left into a ditch <laughs> <laughs> because they're going to be predicting California's weather in Texas. You know, true. Okay. You know, I mean, they re- literally, they have to adjust these things. You know, I, I always make the joke. But I never really quite connected the two things together. They really are connected. They, they really are. <laughs> so time passes faster in orbit mm-hmm. because satellites are further away from the mass of the Earth. Down here on the planet's surface, the mass slows down our time just a little bit. Right. This is called gravitational time dilation, part of Einstein's theory of relativity. You think of it all as very little, very small. Well, there are very large suns in the universe that literally bend light. Mm -hmm. 
because of their gravitational pull. And everything's happening in both space and time. So when light gets bent, that's happening in time as well as space. And this is the part I think people stop trying to listen. because Well, it's a mind bend. It's a mind bender. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Right? Yes, literally. Um, it really is a mind bender, this idea of relativity. And so we would love to fantasize that from this, we can create some control over it. In the same way we've taken control over our calendars and our timing and Mm -hmm. all of that. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of indicates that you you can move forward in time quickly. You could travel theoretically at or near the speed of light time would travel slower for you. Mm -hmm. So if you went 10 years out and 10 years back, that's 20 years will have passed on earth, but you'll have only aged 10 years. Right. And movies love to do this one. You know, interstellar was a great example of this. Exactly. So traveling into the future, not such a big deal. Then they've got, you know, black holes and care rings and wormholes and cosmic string, all of these are theoretical ideas about how we could travel through space and time. It's all traveling forward in time for the most part. I mean, theoretically, I guess you could travel back in time through a wormhole. Well, again, but when you went back the other way through the wormhole, it would still, you wouldn't, the same amount of time is gonna have passed. Right, and this, I think, points to the idea of the loop, that that time is not so much linear, it's always in a circle. Mm -hmm. So one is always affecting the other, and if it is in a circle, maybe we can travel it, because it's not like something happened and and then vaporized. It should still be there in the circle, because our histories affect us today, there's memories, and Mm -hmm. so this is that, that kind of loop. Sort of. There's nothing in Einstein's theory of relativity that precludes travel into the past. Correct. That There's nothing there. But it violates the law of causality, which is like cause and effect. That's basically what they call a time paradox. If you've watched any Doctor Who, they talk about time paradoxes and things like that. On occasion. I, I don't watch enough of it to know exactly how often they talk about it, but I think I remember hearing about it. That's where the law of causality starts to have kind of an issue. So they've got what they call a grandfather paradox that they use to illustrate time paradoxes. Mm -hmm. So you're a time traveling assassin and your grandfather was an evil, evil man. So you go back in time to kill your grandfather. If you're actually successful in killing your grandfather, you will cease to exist Therefore, you didn't exist to kill your grandfather. Right. There's the circle. That's yeah. the loop. That's <laughs> that's the paradox. That's the loop. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know basically what affects what. There's so many different things that affect one another. It's very, it's very confusing. The theory is that if you could travel back in time, you wouldn't be traveling within your own universe. You'd be traveling within a parallel universe to avoid the law of causality you would have to travel to a parallel universe in order to be able to even meet your own grandfather. And if you killed him in that universe, you would still exist, but it wouldn't change things in the universe where you are residing and desiring to make a change. Right. And so this is 
something that is dealt in a dealt with in a new Prime show. I guess it's oh. not really new. Oh. It's not new, but the recent it's season new if it you came out. Seen it? What well, was, I guess was so. it in the nineties? If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. <laughs> That's what NBC said. If you hadn't seen Friends. <laughs> This is the cause for syndication. Yeah. Um, But if you've ever watched Man in High Castle, Mm. we start to look at this whole alternate universe. Um, And it's time travel-y. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also alternate universe situation. And so it deals with that particular issue. And it is a newer show, but um, the new season had come out not too long ago. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good one to deal with that. Yeah. That one's a mind bend, too. It is a mind bend. It got yeah. a little boring, honestly. Oh, really? And then it got a little better, and then it got a little boring. And so I'm just, I don't know. I'm waiting for the payoff. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it comes. Thank you. Because I, 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 I watch, <laughs> As if it's all about I, me and well, my watching of this show for enjoyment. <laughs> well, in here in this space, it is. Aww, and you. I've seen the first two seasons. I haven't watched the most recent season, partly because you've told me. That yeah. That you were like, yeah, it was a little uh, boring. And I was like, my, I told my husband that. I'm like, Jackie and her husband thought it was a little boring. And he's like, well, it was kind of a little boring in the second season. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now I know I, where you stand. I don't want it to be boring because I think the concept oh, and I think the so acting good. Oh. and I think the story and, and the, the characters. And oh. all of it's really, really good. If you don't know what it's about, it's basically. What if the, we had lost World War II? Yeah, what if we'd lost World War II? The Allied forces didn't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. now half of the U.S. belongs to Germany and half of it belongs to Japan. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. It was super fascinating the first season, and then the second season got a little... Well, and that's where it started dealing with this whole universe paradox yeah. thing. And, uh, yeah. yeah. That's where it kind of took a turn for me. I just kind of wanted to see the linearness play out. Mm-hmm. And it, were they going to be able to turn this? But I guess that's... Not really what the story was about. I guess not. Yeah, but anyway. But in Looper, I, I think they deal with it well. I think I can agree a little bit that that it is very well thought out. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a couple holes that I dislike that for me probably would have made me more invested into the characters themselves. Okay. Um, but as it is, I can totally see how the story having time travel be ubiquitous leaves a lot more margin for the right. story of what does it do to us. Um, so right. that's interesting. Yeah. They talked about time travel being banned basically as soon as it was invented. And so that made me start to think about other technology that's been banned or lost, like on its inception. Ooh. <laughs> this is my ooh face. Yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm, I just okay. didn't even think about that. And I love this. Okay. okay. Keep going. Okay, so it's like a deep, crazy dive into the internet, by the way. <laughs> There's a Another 14-foot dive? Oh, big one. Because it's it's a lot of conspiracy theory, and a lot of the articles I read, I was just like, that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of made me think, okay, well, if it was banned in 2072, time travel, right? if it was banned right away... Wouldn't probably a lot of people who lived in 2072 think it was hooey? Probably. Because it was banned and they don't see it and it never gets used. Right. That they know of. Yeah. Uh You know, in the one scene where they kind of show the future, which Mm -hmm. is also very dystopian, um, they show the future and they show kind of the time travel unit. Yeah. Which 
looks more like Journey to the Center of the Earth. <laughs> yes. Than it does. It really does. It looks very hackneyed. I mean, just like there's put just together, like somebody built wires. it out of their garage, whatever parts were laying around. I mean, this is MacGyvered. 100%. And mm-hmm. I thought, no. You're <laughs> me. No. And I appreciate and I, I love Ryan love Johnson's that. choice, but on the other hand, I don't love Ryan Johnson's choice oh, on that one. Oh, see, and I loved it. Why I do you love, love it? that it looks so homemade because it was illegal and almost like homemade bombs. It's kind of, you know, because it's a dirty bomb in people's life. and You still have to have a clean room. I mean, I just feel like, you know, and it's in this warehouse that's like very industrial. Uh-huh. And I don't know. Oh, I just they didn't, didn't care. It was illegal. Who cares if they send back plague from the future? Well, I don't know. I feel like it should be buried. Oh. If it's the mob, how are they having a time machine just... Totally visible. This to, is why they don't explain the time machine. Yeah, this is why they don't talk about it all. And I just, this, they have a different story to tell. It's true. It's so true. the things that I found that I thought were worth talking about, I'll post the articles that have all the crazy stuff. <laughs> the water, the car that runs on water that supposedly the guy invented and the motor companies and oil companies got together and murdered him. Okay. It's all conspiracy theory. I heard of that. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of recent. We're, we're not going to... We're going to pin in that. Maybe we'll talk about it some other time. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> we're, what we're, we are going to talk about is magnetofunk. <laughs> Jackie's got a mouthful of coffee, and I said magnetofunk, and it almost came out her nose. It was really good. Um, I, let me just swipe through all of the archetypes that just went through my brain. Just you know, uh, yeah. swipe, 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 swipe. EDM. That's the big one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just yeah, yeah. yeah there's all yeah. <laughs> okay, so would you like to know what magnetofunk actually was? Yes. Okay, so it was allegedly. An invention developed by the Germans. So they had this secret base called Point 103 during World War II, where they had their most secret technology and where they would go and hide precious things and people when they needed to. Nazi scientists developed magnetofunk, which deflected compasses, but only just a little bit. (laughs) So... The planes, the Allied aircraft, would be flying over, and it would mess with their compasses just a little bit. So they thought they were flying straight, but what they were actually doing was curving around where the base was. <laughs> so it couldn't be found. They thought they flew right off, right straight, but it, it did it just enough to push them off course so that they couldn't find this base. And then they had uh, the Himmel compass which allowed the German navigators to orient themselves by the position of the sun rather than the magnetic poles of the earth so that they actually could find the base. These are legitimate things? They believe that this actually happened. We no longer have this anymore because that point one oh three was bombed and destroyed. So we got to it. it well, I assume it was us. I assume so. It was destroyed. So maybe they left... Well, now, there was a little bit of a conspiracy with the meltdown, <laughs> the nuclear meltdown, and that maybe this area housed some of these technologies, yes. and that that was purposeful 
yes. to cover it up. Yes. Are we saying that this is the same place? Possibly. Ooh. Yeah. But I hadn't heard about this fantastic yeah, little I hadn't either. I told my son about it, and he was like, Magnetofunk is the best name of a band ever. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what was swiping through my uh-huh. head. It was always yeah. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool name, Nazis. <laughs> too soon. I get a, too ew, soon. Maybe too soon. Maybe too soon. Maybe too soon. But it was really fascinating. And then... That was one that I was like, okay, that's plausible. That's plausible. Some of the others, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know. But then there was this one, which I thought I had actually heard about. And I tried to find a little additional information. And there's a ton of information, but nothing very concrete. And it's called an over-unity machine. <laughs> These names are I fantastic. Know. Aren't they awesome? <laughs> over-unity. Okay, so basically, it's an engine that requires one unit of power, but will generate two to three units of power. Okay. I had heard that the windmills that mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere where there's lots of wind and they capture the wind and they turn and generate energy. Mm-hmm. I heard that these were over unity machines. My dad told me that. I don't know where he read it. But that it they would keep them running with electricity because they generated more electricity than they used to keep them turning. Okay, so your your net yeah. is positive. But okay. I couldn't find that that was true anywhere. And perhaps what they meant was when the wind wasn't blowing, it was worthwhile to keep them running because... When the wind did start to blow again, they didn't have to come up to speed. Okay, that makes that, sense. Maybe that was that was it. But over-unity machines are very highly contested. Some people claim they don't exist. Some people say that they've made them. There, are, There's a lot of videos on YouTube. I can't. I can't. I'm trying to wrap my brain around why this is such a problem. Like, why is this okay. a controversy? Okay, because the people who claim that they exist say that the technology has been thwarted by energy companies who don't want you to be able to put one in your home so that you no longer have to rely on them. Okay. So that's why it's a controversy. That's why they they claim that the technology has been thwarted because the energy companies don't want you to have it. You know... I, I understand. I have a lot of compassion for where that argument's coming from, but mm-hmm. I also think it's an argument that comes from a kind of a lack of understanding of how free market works to a degree. Yeah. I think definitely the lobby of, of different industries certainly does what they can to suppress, you know, the development of other things, but no company in their right mind is going to suppress something that will make them billions. So if you're an energy company and you've got this kind of technology, the answer is get it brand it and sell it, mm-hmm. lease it, connect it to a grid. This is this is outsourcing infrastructure to the very homes that we're providing. Hello, this is a billion dollar idea. Yeah. Nobody's lobbying to shut that down, in my, in my opinion. Yes and no. I can see both sides of it. I can see both sides. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't That's know. That's why they're controversial. Interesting. Yeah. So in the future, in this movie, cars look basically the same in 2042 as they did in 2012, because, you know, making up new cars is hard. Yeah. But they had flying motorbikes. This, this, this is such a, yeah. Which I thought they were really cool. And by the way, in 2019, 
for $150,000, you can have yourself a flying motorbike. No. Yeah, you can. No. It does not look like the ones in the movie. Well, it looks like a death trap. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a picture. So I'm going to show you the picture and I'm going to describe it and I'm going to post it on our social media, which is Killer Fun Pod on Twitter, Killer Fun Podcast Exploring the Intersection of Crime and Entertainment on Facebook, or our email address, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. It uses hover technology. So like your little drones. Right. The drone technology. I can see the little rotors. Yeah. They're little, there's, it's basically a motorcycle with no wheels, but four little hovercraft drone type blades. <laughs> it this, seems extremely dangerous to me. This image I have of all the men who have been flying these drones and crashing them, you know, into uh-huh. people's backyards. Yeah. And and them getting on this thing and trying to drive it and it just feels like we've given we've given everybody just a really big toy. <laughs> you know? Maybe not a really big toy. Maybe uh maybe this is uh natural selection. <laughs> This is this. this is, doesn't this look like the most dangerous thing you would ever sit on? Yes. I mean, it makes a four wheeler without a helmet look safe. I know that is that is kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. So for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you too can own a death trap. So. You know what though? I think that kind of thing. I uh-huh. support that kind of thing. It's horrible <laughs> because I want the stupid people with too much money to die. <laughs> No, no, not necessarily, although side effects can be positive. But I'm thinking this is the kind of technology that evolves into things that we like. Okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it's like when uh, when there's this kind of technology that comes about and you're like, that is stupid. Who is going to buy this? Who is going to use this? But then later on, it's saving people's lives kind of technology. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking, you know, when certain types of robots came out uh-huh. way back and people were like, who needs a robot in their house? Well, really what happened is we ended up refining them and now we have robotic surgery, Yeah, right? Where we've actually honed it into a niche. But... Unless people bought these really expensive, stupid home robots, we wouldn't be able to use that technology. So, Fair. you know, they were talking about Amazon or I think it was Amazon or Starbucks doing the coffee run drones where oh. they bring you a cup of coffee. And there was a great discussion that we'll have to post online about this idea of, okay, I totally will support Starbucks or whoever it was delivering coffee to my doorstep because eventually, what if that becomes getting a chopper into a difficult area to life flight. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You start with the commercial uses of it, and then you end up with the public service. Right. That's kind of, yeah. 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 Okay. So we've talked about time travel. We've talked about some of the technology. Let's talk about them being like in the mob. Okay, so I they loved their little mob persona. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of do. There's too. always that dumb guy who needs additional instructions. Seth. Oh. Stupid Seth. If you want to know who Seth is, he's the dumb guy in the movie. So that's, that's really all you need to know. All right, so they have <laughs> uh, guns called Blunderbuss, which I was like, boy, that sounds really familiar. Oh, that's because it's a real gun. That what they're using in the movie isn't a real gun, but it uses the same name, and they share some characteristics. Oh, how so? A blunderbuss, it has a short barrel and a large caliber, 
and it uses shot instead of bullets. So it's like lots of little pieces. Kind of, it shoots out lots of little things instead of one bullet. Like the ones in the movie, the real weapons are effective at a short range, but lack accuracy at a long range. Sawed off shotgun style. Pretty, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I really wanted to talk about was the etymology of the word. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, let my a, nerd a, flag fly because blunder it's funny. Bus. A blunderbuss. Yeah. It's of Dutch origin and it comes from the word donderbuss, which means donder means thunder and bus means pipe. So it's a thunder pipe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it it became blunder in English because it meant confuse. Like blunder now means like a mistake, but at the time when they named this gun, it was it meant confuse. Mm-hmm. So it was a confusing pipe because it made a really loud noise. All I have in my head right now is a scene from Evil Dead army of darkness uh-huh. back in the day do you remember seeing that it's about time travel in a way as well okay. and uh he goes back into time and they're before the iron age basically and he has his big shotgun oh. that is his thing and he he raises it up to all these people who are coming at him and he goes this is my boomstick <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of those moments in movie history that is just i mean yeah. iconic at least yeah. to me yeah that's so funny. So he he called his uh, boomstick boomstick. He called it a blunderbuss. A blunderbuss. Uh huh. They have blunderbusses that they use to kill their victims mm-hmm. and also to defend themselves. They do, and they're basically contract killers. That's what they are. They sign up for this. Yeah. They go and they get recruited. And as the as the character Joe points out, they don't recruit. The most forward-thinking individuals, because <laughs> yeah, your gonna... loop is going to be closed. Right. Yes, but you kind of get the impression you don't get a ton of Joe's backstory, but you kind of get the impression that Joe was either going to become a looper or he was going to be killed. Basically, yeah. So he really didn't have a choice. So while a lot of these people aren't forward thinkers, he did it as a survival mechanism, right? Which is why he's able to comment so bluntly right. about yep. his uh, colleagues, if I can call them that. <laughs> as in our current reality. In the movie, the contract killing is mostly associated with organized crime, government conspiracies, vendettas. That got me thinking about Mm -hmm. the compensation. Because the way the loopers were compensated was after they shot their victim, they'd cut open the back of their shirt, Mm -hmm. and there would be, how many would you say, eight to ten Bars of silver? Right. That yeah. looked about right. About a kilo each mm-hmm. was my estimate. So I was like, well, how much are these people paid? So statistics say that the average hit is anywhere from 5000 to $30,000 right now. So an average of about $15,000. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, not very much for a human life. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. But a fair, enough money that I could see how people in desperate situations might be tempted. They might be enticed by mm-hmm. that. Of course, to be enticed by it, you have to already have that temptation in you that you'd be. Right. Because somebody could offer that to me and uh, yeah. I just can't. No. 
No, you get you get to offer me the top end, and mm-mm. Mm-mm. but some yeah. people already have that inclination, which is why when they're enticed with it, right. they're tempted to say yeah. Well, and me, you know, a desperate situation might also. That's true. I'm not in a crazy situation at that point. And, you know, as much as I'd like to think, Uh (laughs) I'd like to stand on it that I would absolutely say no. Um, You know, I can have some compassion for some of these individuals. Right. Like Joe. Yeah, like Joe. I looked up the current value of silver. Okay. Okay. So currently it's $15.87 an ounce. So if they had eight one kilo bars. Mm Mm-hmm. That were on the back of their victim, it would be about four thousand dollars. If they had ten, it would be about fifty one hundred dollars. Okay, I was like, hmm, that doesn't seem like enough. No, but they're like, living pretty extravagant lifestyles. It's like every day, though. Yes, it changes every day. So I looked up what it was in twenty twelve okay. because I can't look up what it's going to be in twenty forty two. No, because I don't have a time machine. But if you made five thousand dollars a day, because he was out there. Pretty much every day, at least, I mean, the way that they present it, yeah, he's out there like all the time. And so, I mean, you're making, even if you only did it three times a week, that's $15,000 a week. Mm-hmm. Well, but still he was living pretty extravagantly. He was. Yeah. As were all the other loopers because mm-hmm. they all hung out together. So in 2012, the price of silver was actually quite a lot more. Interesting. $34 and 73 cents an ounce. So $20, almost $20 more an ounce than it, it currently is. Wow. So at the time the movie was made, if they got eight bars of silver, it was $9,700. And if it was 10 bars of silver, it would have been $12,000. Now that makes a little more sense. See, and that that's what I thought. Because I'm like, it doesn't seem like enough money to kill people. But double it. I still, I see, it still wouldn't be enough for me. <laughs> I can see where it would be more lucrative, and that would be closer in line with the lifestyle, lifestyle that they were living. Yes. Yeah. No, that would make a lot more sense. So, yeah. what about gold? I'm, did oh, you, I didn't look up gold. Oh, I'm so because I'm thinking about like that payoff they get at the end, and the idea is they get really good payoff at the end, and that way they just go on and enjoy. Would you? Know. Would you sign up for something knowing that at some point? In your near future, five to seven years tops, you would be, quote, let go with a giant payoff to last you for 30 years, knowing you die at the end of 30 years? That's my big question. I don't know. Am I going to live another 30 years? Well, I mean, probably, but I don't know. So the real assassins are... Not the loopers. They're actually the the Gatman. Yeah. <laughs> the like the henchmen who were enforcing looper behavior. <laughs> There's a song from two thousand and five by fifty cent and Eminem called Gatman and Robin. And a gap man is basically means a hitman. It's so 2012. Uh, oh, it was 2005. Oh my gosh. So, no, they were before their time. They were. They were. It's not a song I would choose to listen to a lot, but it was kind of funny to listen to it once. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not my style of music. So that got me thinking about some real hitmen. And I, you know, I looked through a lot of real hitmen before I chose one to talk briefly about. I'll post some articles 
about some of those other people, but <laughs> there was this guy who I found particularly interesting. He was the most prolific hitman in mafia history. Interesting. His name was Richard Kuklinski. He had like a hard childhood. Not that that excuses anything. He was called the Iceman. He avoided capture working for the mob as a hitman for 25 years because he varied the way he killed people. Now, he had started killing people prior to working for the mob. Ooh, 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 he's a bad man. Oh, yeah, he's There's a bad something man. worse about the whole idea of being just doing it as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. But he shot, stabbed, strangled, poisoned, bludgeoned, did all the different kinds of things. Did he have a signature, though? Like anything no. that was at no, all? No, And that's why he evaded capture for so long was because he changed it up constantly. And he was called the Iceman because sometimes he would take his victim and put him in a freezer for months, sometimes as long as two years, and then go dump them somewhere so it looked like they had just died and he would have an alibi. That's a lot of planning. It it was a lot of planning. I mean, I wonder where his freezers were. Probably in some mobs oh. business somewhere would be my guess. So much to think about. Yeah. Here. So he married his wife, Barbara, in 1961. And she didn't know until he was arrested that he was a murderer. No. Yeah. No, I she think- could not have not known. Let me get there. At the time that they met, he'd already murdered 65 people. Oh, oh, wow. For 25 years, he compartmentalized his life. He didn't tell the criminals he worked with anything about his personal life. Like the people he worked with didn't know he was married, didn't know he had children, didn't know where he lived. They knew nothing about him. He never socialized with them. He was an employee, not a client. And he kept it that way. I don't know what his wife thought he did. It did. This article does not say, and I would love to know. But he ended up killing about 300 people. That's insane. Uh-huh. His neighbors absolutely didn't know that he was a hitman. So they, they just thought he was some sort of successful businessman. So how did we, how did we know? Well, he confessed to a lot of stuff once he was caught. How did they catch him? Phil Solomini. A local mafia man who was the closest thing that Kuklinski had to a friend in the mafia basically flipped. That's basically how they caught him. You know, they surrounded the house and then she's like, why are you arresting my husband? And they said, he's a murderer. And not just a murderer, oh, yeah. but a, a mass, mass murderer. murderer. <laughs> he was a serial killer. I mean, who, in the who, ho- who found a way to like make it a job. I, you know, I would have more questions. I mean, surely he must have had some kind of job title that he told his wife. I think I would ask more questions. Go to the office once in a while. Yeah, Come on, man. You, how do you think that it's not... Unless he actually was holding down. I don't think so. I think if Killing 300 people, I think he was probably pretty busy. <laughs> he claims that he killed Jimmy Hoffa. Mm. I don't know how true that is, but... Anyway, he spent 25 years in prison, so he was a murderer for 25 years, killed 300 people, then spent 25 years in prison, and his health started to deteriorate, 
and he ended up having to go to a hospital and his wife Barbara went and saw him one last time and he had a moment of clarity while he was in and out of consciousness in the hospital and told doctors that he wanted them to revive him if he flatlined. And on her way out of the hospital, Barbara signed a DNR. (laughs) I don't think, I think after 25 years, she still hadn't forgiven him for lying to her Uh or, or for getting caught. One or the other. One or the other. (laughs) And then they called her to make sure she hadn't changed her mind. And she said, no. And he died in 2006. Wow. Uh-huh. Maybe she was the real murderer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't. I can't. It's probably too soon. I'm just kidding. I, can't. I just, it's just interesting. I can't. I know this happens. BTK, we got serial killers whose families. Ooh, BTK's daughter just wrote a book. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, I'm reading that. Uh-huh. I'm I'll, reading I'll that. find it. We got to read that. We're Twitter friends. Oh, oh. I'll, t- I'll tweet about her. I can't remember her Yes. Name. But okay. I'll tweet about her. That's such, I mean, I, I my my heart just breaks for these families and what they have to go mm-hmm. through with well, this. She's, she's another victim. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she is. Fascinating. <gasps> Fascinating. Old Joe ends up running. He's he, he comes out not looking like the normal victim. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a... A hood over his head. His arms aren't bound. He's late. He's he's late. <laughs> Twice. Watch the movie. Twice he's late. So they end up meeting at a diner to kind of talk about things. Right. <laughs> and old Joe tells young Joe about the Rainmaker, which... The, what's the first thought that comes into my head? The 1997 John Grisham immediately movie that Tom was based on the Cruise. book. No, it wasn't that the Tom no, Cruise movie. It was Matt Damon and Claire Danes and Danny DeVito. That was the Rainmaker. Oh, which one was um? Which one am I thinking of then? I don't know what you're thinking of. Uh, it'll come to my mind. Okay, I'm thinking of another Grisham. But yeah, uh-huh. but I read Rainmaker. Yeah, I too. read the Rainmaker but too. Right. And the movie is. The movie is great. I do remember now. Yeah. But that's the first thing that came to my mind. It was like, Matt Damon and Claire Danes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, wait, wait, no. (laughs) Let's let's keep going. So a rainmaker is an actual term. Right. So if you have a rainmaker that's a literal rainmaker, they're talking about somebody who's trying to force it to rain. Well, Uh, I mean. If you talk about the business side of a rainmaker then that's more akin to what's happening in this movie, which is a person who brings business and wins new accounts almost by magic. Right. They yeah. just come in and they're, like we, say, we tend to say, making it rain. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like that's where it's come from. Yeah, it's a, it's a rainmaker. So, and I was thinking oh, about the firm. The firm. I was thinking yes. about the firm. Yeah. yeah. But I do remember Rainmaker, and that's what popped in my uh-huh. head first, yeah. actually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Was it the Rainmaker or the Firm? Was that so what you thought of? I thought of the Rainmaker first, but I was just picturing Tom Cruise instead of oh. Matt Damon. And so <laughs> it all gets, it all gets mixed. Yeah. It all mm-hmm. get, they all kind of came around, out around the same time. <laughs> what year did that movie come out? Oh, okay. So Rainmaker came out in 97. Yeah, but what about... Um, the Firm came out in 93. Oh, okay. So, yeah. In the ish same time period. At one point when young Joe is successful in killing old Joe, which lends itself to the multiple universe, parallel universe sort of situation, we see young Joe using a lot of drugs and they're putting them in through their eyes. And I'm like, this is this a thing? 
Yeah, the eye drop. Yeah, thing. Okay, so it's not really a thing yet. It may be a thing in the future. Seems like it'd be a good idea because it bypasses the GI tract. It doesn't have to go through your liver. And you don't have to use a needle or anything like that. It's a little bit... Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't sit here advocating for this. Well, um, no, you shouldn't. No, but but I am thinking... Well, well, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like... Why, why isn't this thing? Right. Because okay. for prescription meds, just in general, yeah. the idea of being able to do that is like we use sublingual, uh-huh. like immunotherapy. Yeah, yeah. We use like sublingual. under your tongue. Mm-hmm. Yes. The idea is kind of the same. Well, the reason they don't do it is because the eye's physiology and anatomy makes it uh, not very conducive to that. Hmm. So it has static barriers, which are barriers that don't change, like the cornea and the retina, and the there's like blood barriers as well. And then there's dynamic barriers, like tears mm-hmm. and things like that. And those things basically make it difficult not only for you to ingest it through the eye, because your eye wasn't designed to ingest things, it was designed to repel things, mm-hmm. but also can make it difficult to provide a appropriate dosage. Okay. Because you never know exactly. You might give too much to one person, they might be more susceptible to it, but a person who's less susceptible, you give them the same dosage, they don't get enough. Because, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Damaging to the eyes. Oh, yeah, no, every time, every time they did it, and I was like, uh, Yeah, gross, yeah. Gross, And probably painful, so I found an old Reddit thread (laughs) 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 who was talking about drugs in the eyes, and they said it could theoretically work with LSD. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Someone said that the dose would be potent and that putting it in the eyes would not diluted as much and that it's painful, but that it actually can be done. Mm-hmm. And somebody else confirmed. <laughs> love Reddit. Oh, love Reddit and the anonymity that they put the paper in their eyes. They never did a liquid, but they like softened the paper in their mouth and put it in their eye because they wanted like a, a really different kind of high or something. And um, they're my favorite comment that they said was, the sun smells too loud, <laughs> which made me laugh really I hard. I have so many I was like, paper? this is such a poor choice. They were like, I softened it so I wouldn't scratch my eyelids. I'm like, you what about a- your cornea, you ninny? So the paper in your eye? Uh-huh. Bless their heart. <laughs> They're stupid, they but I'm so glad that they came up with the sun smells too loud. Because <laughs> that made me happy. <laughs> I'm sorry that they're <laughs> not very smart. I mean, but. I guess somebody has to try it, right? Like somebody's got to drive that drone my motorcycle. Um, but, you know, that's that seems ridiculous to paper in your eye. Poor choices. Ow, 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 ow. But I can see why, you know, in your eyes, they do get irritated. So, you know, I tried that Latisse. Oh. Remember Latisse? Oh, for for the the eyelashes, right? And that stuff burns, and you pop it in there, and it's like your whole eye just becomes this red hot. Well, you're not Like the candy, red hot. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not supposed to put it in your eye, right? It's a drop. I thought it was like an ointment. No, you're, you're talking about the, uh, like, they come out with that now. Oh, okay. But this is like an old bottle of Latisse. Oh, okay. Like a, like a, it was a prescription a while ago. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, and I remember seeing lots of advertisements with Brooke Shields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, 
well, good for you. You already have brown eyes. Because that was one of the side effects was that it oh, could, that it could to, yeah. to cause your pigmentation in your mm-hmm. eyes to change. And I'm like, yep. I'm a little vain about my green eyes. Yeah. So, well, now I've got the little you know brush and you just brush it on. Oh, okay. Those cause my eyes to turn red hot too. Uh-huh. But yeah, they get very, um, I don't know. Well, I look like a druggie is what I look like. Oh, I look like I, I put LSD paper in my eyes. <laughs> You know, um, no, don't but, do that. Yeah, I don't. I tried a few of those, like the Rodan and Fields one, uh-huh. and you know, yeah, but, none of them really work. That so well, right? yeah, no. Yeah. But those are those are things that are meant for the eye. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, these are things. Yeah, those they burn and they made them intentionally yeah. to go near the eye. But LSD, can you imagine? No, oh, no. And I've never had. I've never no, tried any illicit drugs. Uh, myself, and so I can't even imagine, but... I don't know. I'm going to take their word for it when they say it stings. There you go. And I'm going to not do it. I'm. I, that's I'm, that's wisdom, learning from somebody else's <laughs> mistakes. That's wisdom. Uh, man, old Joe was just a, a tortured man. He was tortured, and it's sad because, he see, he fell in love. He fell in love, and that changed his perspective on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being a terrible, terrible person and doing all kinds of horrible things. Yeah, well, and he went through his money mm-hmm. awfully quickly. There was a very large pile of money that should have easily lasted him, but he put the drugs in his eyes and all his money was Well, gone. he thought he would die. Yeah. He thought his loop was going to be closed, and he, he was okay with that. Until he met someone. Well, okay, he was okay with that, but he ran out of money after like 10 years. So he knew he wasn't going to die yet because he'd already closed his loop. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, before they meet, and the loop started getting closed, there's rumors of this rainmaker closing all the loops, right? And, um, And young Joe sees himself and he knows it because of the cloth being gone and the right. arms being out so he hesitates and then he runs right and so then time progresses and then we're back there and this mm-hmm. time he kills him yeah because now he's come back around and he's right and so my problem with this is they tried to do two loops and i don't think with this plot point and trying to make time travel so ubiquitous that you could you have to that you throw in two loops because then i have questions now right Take it and just keep with one loop unless you're going to explain how that works. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. And that was my plot hole. Yeah. So I don't really want them to spend time with lab coats and and explaining, you know, the theory of relativity and relating to time space. But I I do want them to explain, like, what, why does it matter? The rest of it, I was really into. I was bought in. And I loved it when he goes, old man. Yeah. (laughs) And then then young, and then old Joe was like, listen, boy. (laughs) I loved their little interaction. Interaction. Yeah. They played off each other really well. Mm -hmm. It was fun. The crux of it hinges on this telekinesis, which you don't really realize until the end. They talk about telekinesis earlier as it's just like this parlor trick where you can make a quarter float. I'm like, oh, they still have quarters in 2042. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, we see Sarah and no, she's... She's got a more powerful version of it. Yeah. Because she's not able to just do a quarter. She does a very large Zippo lighter. Mm-hmm. Then we realize she's passed that on to her son, who is, spoiler alert, the rainmaker that old Joe is looking for. Right. The one who's closing all the loops because old Joe has decided to save the woman that he loves. He must kill 
the Rainmaker as a child before he can become the Rainmaker. Yeah, and then he thinks he's going to get sent back, basically, somehow in time and space, back to his regular life. Yeah. But it's really just a a vengeance thing. Really, Um, it is. You know. So the telekinesis thing. Uh It's kind of a a surprising little twist in the plot. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. I did too. I liked it more than I thought I would, because when... When I watched it, and this was my second or third time, maybe my third time watching this movie, mm-hmm. and it came up again, I kind of went, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. But then later on, I was like, maybe, uh-huh. maybe I can get on board. And when it ended, I thought, I'm on. I'm on board. Yeah. I, this TK thing is a uh-huh. huge deal to this plot point. It's kind of, I don't know, an amazing thing to throw in in a time travel movie. Yeah. We not only have time travel, you can move things with your minds, you know? It's It's just really neat. Well, because they allude to it early on. They say, it sounds like the Rainmaker is just taking over. Well, he's taking over by himself. Right. He has no army. Right. It's just him. And that leads to the idea, oh, this Mm -hmm. kid, he's able to... Yeah. Take out all kinds of people. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants because he's very powerful and able to move things with his mind. So this isn't new. You know, you see it in X-Men comics and stuff stuff like that. Do you know that um, 15% of Americans believe that this is a possibility? Really? 15? 15%. Mm Mm-hmm. It's more than I thought, too. And, you know, scientific evidence... Remains elusive, you don't say. (laughs) And some people will say, I thought this was kind of interesting, that the idea of poltergeists is not really ghosts, but people who don't understand that they have the power of telekinesis or psychokinesis, that they're... <laughs> I know. Well, I'm like, this is why some people are not, not really, but a little bit. Maybe why <laughs> some people are haunted by poltergeists and other people aren't because they're, they've displaced their anger and they have an ability that they don't realize that they have. And so they're blaming it on ghosts. I was like, well, that's kind of mind blowing and interesting. That's a very interesting thought. I'm um, thinking all about that right now. My right. ears are turning. Right. Well, because I thought about, you know, what lies beneath and how she would go to the door uh-huh. and it would, it would open. open a little bit. Yeah. I, she was, she was psychokinetic. <gasps> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. So what does science so, have okay. to say about this? <laughs> because um, basically what they've tried to do. So obviously it's not making a coin hover over your hand. There's something smaller. So trying to make a dice land on a certain number. Oh, my husband can do that. I'm not kidding. This is why I do not play Monopoly with him. I don't play Monopoly. No, 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 no. That's just, you're asking to lose. The only person who has ever come close to beating him and has only beaten him once before is my youngest. Who can also do the kind of the same thing, but it's not as uh, refined. But my husband can be on the board and count the spaces to where he wants to go, and he says it, and he rolls it. It's like 80% of the time. Really? So I'm just hoping to distract him enough that he forgets to count, uh, so that he forgets to know where he's got to go. Because if he knows, we're he's done. He's gone. Really? Yeah, it's kind of really eerily creepy. Huh. And I'm like, this is why you can't go to Vegas, because you will become a gambler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Science hasn't found any evidence of that. That's 
dice, flips of coins, influencing our randomized computer number generator. Those kinds of things are the kind of things that they think maybe that's more of a possibility, not moving something across a room. And that makes sense. Uh-huh. Here's the thing, right? But, that, but science hasn't found any It's of all that. anecdotal, you know, and I am the loser of these games, so I'm totally <laughs> biased. But here's the thing about random. So we tend to think of random as being visually random. You know, like if I say three, 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 four, three, six, we don't think that that is random. Because all of the threes are in a row. People would tend to say, if I said that number, and then I said two, eight, four, three, one, nine, seven, they would say the second one is more random than the first one, except they're equally random. They are equally random. But it's that idea that we want to visualize random. Well, and we look for patterns. So we see a pattern, uh-huh. and so it feels Even less random. Right. So if somebody were to by coincidence or even by some kind of, you know, TK trick, chain to random generator. It doesn't actually make it really less random. Okay. In the grand scheme of things, right? Unless the person who is influencing it was following a pattern. It has to be. And then it'd be not random. Right. It would have to be beneficial to the person. And you'd have to know in advance what they were going to change it to or else you couldn't show it. Except that my husband still always wins, so I don't know. Well, we'll just, we'll shelve that discussion. I did not expect you to bust out with... With my husband's a TK? (laughs) Even anecdotal evidence of something like that. Wow! You should ask my family. This is a big point of contention, because they're all just completely sure that he has a weighted dice somewhere that he's, like, throwing out. Yeah, it's crazy. But then it would be weighted for everybody because everybody's using the same. Well, like he must be, he must be like doing some sleight of hand. Sleight of hand, yes. <laughs> He's putting them up. Is this he always wear long sleeves when he plays? No, and that's just what bothers us. <laughs> just to watch him count it, and you're like, does he always well, sit at the same spot at the table? Is he counting and like changing out the dice? Well, I mean, in this house, but this has been since we were dating. So this oh. has been 15 years of losing at Monopoly. <laughs> The you know, you don't play. <laughs> I don't like to play, but yeah. the kids are, you know, they're pretty bent on trying to beat them. And like I said, I got one, a smaller one, the boy, mm-hmm. who has a bit of this ability to count and get pretty close. And he's the only one that's ever beaten him. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Right. <laughs> I know we've spoiled a lot of stuff, but it's still worth watching. But I do have one final thought. What is that? Young Joe got to see the consequences of old Joe's choices very baldly. Right. He was really able to see how old Joe had lived his life, what the consequences were of that, what he was willing to do for a woman, which, okay, I I respect that, that he's willing to try and save her. But young Joe made a really good point of, if I don't ever meet her, then she's saved. Yes, and and old Joe didn't take this choice. Yeah, and old Joe was too selfish mm-hmm. to give that up because yep. he wanted the joy that he had. And of course, we don't know at that point that spoiler alert: the wife that he loved so much ended up getting murdered by the Gatman who came to get him. But <laughs> even still, he's thinking she would still get murdered. But if she'd never met him, 
then she wouldn't be murdered. That's right. And yeah. he was too selfish to... He was too selfish. ...to take that option, which why I said it's a little bit more about vengeance. Mm-hmm. But young Joe, young Joe does something pretty phenomenal. Young Joe was able to change the outcome with self-sacrifice, which is why I prefer young Joe to old Joe, because young Joe makes a sacrifice of himself in order to save the people he loves. He doesn't love old Joe's wife. He loves Sarah. That's right. And he loves Sid, even though he knows what Sid becomes. And he says it's not certain yet. Yeah. Because it's for sure, are... but it's not certain. <laughs> exactly. We don't get to see what the ramifications are of our actions, but I think the moral of this movie is to be brave and bold when it comes to your acts of kindness. That's right. I like it. I like that thought. That just because you can't see the outcome of it doesn't mean you shouldn't do the kind thing. Arc towards kindness. Always. Every way you can, in every way that you're able. We're human. It's not always possible. But every time you can, every time you think about it, even if you you can't see the results of that choice, make a bold and brave choice to be kind. That's right. I love it. So that's perfect. Yeah. It's a good moral. Bow. Pretty bow. Tied. Glitter. Right on top. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It was a good movie. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It. I, th- I thought it held up pretty well. It did hold up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there was moments, but... There were um, moments, but, you know, with it all being so far in the future and, you know, kind of realizing that it's an alternate timeline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can forgive some things. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it was still thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, gorgeous. Emily Blunt, gorgeous. Bruce Willis, attractive older man. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Acting, great all the way around. The all kid the who played Sid, <gasps> amazing. We didn't even get into that. We didn't even get into that. Love Sid. Let's ha- let's talk about that online. Everybody, we need to have a, like a discussion yeah, about if Sid online. Wants to like chat about sweet little Sid and his murderous looks. <laughs> I know oh, they were so good. They were so good. He was such a good little actor. Yeah. And they talked about how great he was in one of the bonus features too, about how they would go through like three pages of dialogue and Ryan Johnson would go to him as the director and say, okay, so it's really good, but I want you to change this one thing. And they'd go through those same three pages of dialogue and the kid would do everything the same, except Except for the one little thing that he'd gotten a note on. I'm like... Amazing kid. I hope that kid gets goes places. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Well, we'll have to discuss that online because yep. it's worthy. And you know what? If you are paying attention to us, we usually tell you what we're going to do next time. So yeah. if you are a little lost today because you haven't seen Looper or you haven't seen it recently... You should start listening to what we're going to say about the next podcast and watch or look yeah. at. And so when we come together... We all we all can discuss together. Yeah. So yeah, join us with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, next time we're not watching something. No, we're not watching something. <laughs> we're gonna play a game. We haven't played a game in a while, and I got a game for Christmas called Code Names, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. And so, okay, if you've listened to us this far, and you're somebody who doesn't normally like the game episodes, I'm gonna change the way I edit the game episodes. Yes. So you'll hear. A little bit of like the setup. We'll explain it at the beginning. I'll put in all the funny bits that we say because, you know, we 
cut up and laugh and have a good time. (laughs) You'll hear the funny bits. You'll only get what you need to understand the funny bit. And then we'll talk about what we thought about it at the end. So you don't have to try and follow along with the game. All you have to do is be there for the funny bits and hear what we think about it. Yeah. So join us for that. Yeah. And then after that. Yeah. Yeah. After that, we are watching something. Oh, yes. We're going to do the Black Mirror episode. There's one called Black Museum, which is all about like murder museum stuff. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't seen it yet. So if you haven't had a chance to watch that, go watch it. Black Mirror is great. Man, it's dark. (laughs) It's uh, We can only watch couple of episodes like we'll watch one one night we'll watch another one the next night and then it we have to take a break from it because they're they don't usually have very happy endings mm. but they're always interesting yeah yeah join us but yeah. don't overdo it yeah <laughs> and next time you don't have to do anything except right. show up and listen just show up and listen yeah all right well thank you so much we'll see you in a couple weeks all right see you next time